Hey, this is Neil Morrison. You're listening to Michael's Record Collection. Hello and welcome to Michael's Record Collection, where we talk about great music with the people who make it and the people who love it. This is episode 110. My name is Michael Citro. I'm your host, and I'm pleased to bring you my interview with progressive rock master Neil Morse. Neil's got a couple of new albums coming out very soon. One of them is a Neil Morse Band live album called An Evening of Innocence and Danger Live in Hamburg, and it is fantastic. I can tell you, after listening to it several times, I am very, very pleased with this live album. He's also got a brand new solo progressive rock concept album coming out. And it's called The Dreamer, Joseph Part 1. So you know you're getting a Part 2 already, just right up front. That one is on Frontiers Drops on August 11th. And An Evening of Innocence and Danger Live in Hamburg comes out on July 14th on Inside Out. So a couple of brand new releases from Neil Morse. He also told me what he's working on next. Very exciting news there. I tried to cover a ton of topics with Neil, but of course I only scratched the surface on any one of them. I could talk to the guy for hours. I have so many questions. Anyway, before I bring you that interview, just want to make sure we get some housekeeping out of the way. I'd ask you to please visit michaelsrecordcollection.com. There's links there to everything. You can find my social media links there, but I'll just tell them to you right now. It's at Mike's Records on Twitter and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. And there's also a link there to sign up for my free newsletter. It comes to you every week. There's also a link there to my Patreon. You can go there and check out the different levels of support. For as little as $2 a month, you can support independent podcasting and independent writing. If you have any questions or just want to make a comment, please feel free to write me. I'd love to hear from you at michaelsrecordcollection at gmail.com. All right, with all that out of the way, let's get to that Neil Morris interview without any further ado. Here we go. I'm extremely excited to have with me today singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, Neil Morse. Neil, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. How's it going, man? It's going great. Uh, I'd like to ask you what I ask all my guests first up, and that is, Neil, what was your first favorite record? Meet the Beatles. Nice. Yeah, for sure. That was the first record I went crazy over. I was four years old. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, obviously, to, to get into the Beatles at age four, you have to grow up in a household where the Beatles are being played. So is that is that pretty much how it was? It seemed like music was being played everywhere around me in those days. That's how I remember it. I just remember, of course, my father was a choir director, so there was a lot of classical music going on. And my uncle was in a jazz vocal group called the High Lows, so I was exposed to ja- to jazz as well. So I was exposed to a lot of different styles when I was very young. Mm-hmm. And where did your where did you and and your brother where did your love of progressive rock come from? Well, um, I was into you know the Beatles and pop and folk music until i was about nine so about you know i was born in 1960 so we're talking 1969 1970 and then i really started to get into the power of rock i got into black sabbath well we i mean me and my brothers mm-hmm. uh richard and al we you know we kind of 
traveled we were traveling musically together we had a little band you know we were all learning to play together and uh so we got into black sabbath and deep purple and we went to see uh black sabbath at the la forum and there was a band opening up for them that i hadn't heard of but there was a buzz about them i, I was hearing that they were really great but this band was called yes and so um that was a that was the big light bulb moment for me and i was 12 i think because i didn't know that you could kind of have all the things that i loved about music in one piece mm-hmm. you know it had the power of rock and the uh the beauty of the three-part harmonies when they did all good people um and the, you know the kind of jazz elements and uh classical elements and all of this and so yeah that was i was i was i was smitten <laughs> I, I, I was became a prog fan instantly yeah now it's interesting you bring up yes and i've been enjoying uh the album that we came here to talk about today an evening of innocence and danger live in hamburg comes out july 14th on inside out and in the middle of the last song when you're introducing the band uh you introduce Randy George and he goes into heart of the sunrise on his base. Yeah. Well, you know, we're all, <laughs> we're all big yes fans in the, in this group. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You as always a very busy man. You've got, uh, not only do you have the Neil Morris band live album coming out, uh, in August, you've got, uh, another solo album, the dreamer Joseph part one coming out. I believe that's on frontiers and, uh, as, which is great. Cause it's called part one means we're going to get a part two. You've got Morse Fest coming up. You're just constantly busy. Tell me, how does Neil Morse figure out his schedule? How does how does a Neil Morse schedule for the year work itself out? Do you just do you just go day by day, or do you block off months? So how does it work? Well, you have to plan a certain amount. I wish I could just go day by day, but <laughs> um, yeah, because there's other people involved you know, the mixing engineer and the artwork, you know, you have to start working on getting with the artwork people early or else, or else you're never going to deliver the albums anywhere near on time. Usually, um, you know, if I'm working with a label, um, then they will tell me, we'll kind of work together on a schedule. Like, when do you think you can deliver this? And I'll say, well, let's see, I'm writing it now. I think, and and you don't really know because it's the creative process. Like, let's say I can deliver this to you April 1st, you know, I'll just, and then, so we say, I, I have that as a guideline. And I start working towards that. So I talk to the string players and the background singers or the lead singers as in this case, mm-hmm. uh, and just start trying to get it all set up. But it's, it's a challenge because, well, it's all, it's all, a mountain of work but it's you're dealing with creative stuff so like for example right now i'm working on joseph part two and i got up to the end and i've already had the string players play their parts and i just changed the ending and i really kind of need strings on it <laughs> but i don't i don't know if i can you know you're getting all those people together with an engineer and all that it's it's a lot just for like these changed couple bars. So it's it's hard to do it all in a perfect way because 
it's just moving and you're 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 living with it and and you then you'll listen down to the whole thing you know when you're writing the little pieces you may like all the little pieces but then when you listen down to the whole thing then you have another impression as well so i think the way i would put it is my planning is all a sketch mm-hmm. and and i think the people that i work with understand that it it's the creative process and so it's probably going to be late is what that means <laughs> <laughs> we don't, i don't usually get done early i yeah. i usually get done late sometimes i get done early but not very often it's it, things generally take longer than i think they will but uh, yeah, so I, I kind of sketch out like right now, okay, I'm, I'm trying to deliver Joseph part two to, to be mixed in July. Then I need to work on my, uh, I need to work on uh, learning all my parts for Morse Fest in August. And also I need to go back through the tapes from Morse Fest 22 with Transatlantic and see if that, any of that needs any uh love and uh but then i'm hoping in the fall to take some time off that's that's it's hard to imagine you taking time off neil it seems like you're just always working on something and you're extremely you've always been an extremely prolific writer when did you write your first song i wrote my first song i believe when i was 12 yeah uh, it was right around the same time i did write a prog piece when I was 12. Yeah. And, uh, and some of it wound up being used in a song called flow with Spock's beard. Okay. Yeah. I love so, that song. That's yeah. Some of, some of those things like that sunlight gliding children hiding. That was from when I was 12. In their dreams, never hiding. Amazing. Yeah. that can uh, that can come back and stick with you all those years later but uh so you mentioned spock's beard you obviously started you and your brother started spock's and um and actually i've i talked a little bit about spock's beard too with with rio akimoto who was on the show uh, promoting his his latest solo album it's very well documented you wrote about it in your book you've talked about it at great length about your spiritual awakening and, and how you um felt a calling to uh, not necessarily a calling to leave Spock's beer, but a calling to to go to Tennessee, for example. And and then you became a, more or less a solo artist for a while. You put out you know a string of of solo albums that were progressive rock, but also spiritually themed. 
like one and question mark. And obviously testimony was a big one for you. Um, yeah. that, that told your life story and then testimony too, as well, got into a little bit more detail. When did you start sort of putting the idea together that you could be in a band again? Well, let's see. I was doing these kind of worship tours in Europe because I felt like that's what the, what God wanted me to do at that time, like 2006, 2007. And it was around that time that I think uh, Colin Lajanar, he, he, he said, you know, if you want to do some gigs over here, I could put a band together and learn all the material. And then you could show up and we could rehearse for like a day and go do some shows. So, I mean, that was, that was part of it, you know, um, doing the shows with the Dutch band. Those were really fun and really good shows. And, uh, it was really when I had the idea for the, um, actually a friend suggested that I write a concept album, a prog concept album called the whirlwind and that I should have transatlantic do it which was really out of the blue at that time anyway that as you know that wound up happening and what 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 transatlantic recorded was really different from what i originally had conceived just want to make that clear but that was part of it too it was it was a kind of a slow working back into being in bands again and uh it's been great you know and then later on uh, at first, the Neil Morse band was a touring band for me. I wanted to have a, after a while, I got kind of tired of having two different bands, like one in Europe and one in here. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to have just one group. And so I started having uh, YouTube auditions. And that's where I found Eric and Bill, although I kind of knew Bill from before then. But Anyway, and so we we did a couple tours together, and then it was suggested that we write together, and I prayed about that and really felt like a green light inside, like, yeah, you should do that. And, you know, look at the great fruit of the Neil Morse band. That's how that started. So, Yeah, you mentioned uh, a couple of these guys. We'll, we'll tell everybody who's in the band, Neil Morse, keyboards, guitars, vocals, Mike Portnoy, who's maybe one of the few people that's been on more albums than you. <laughs> on drums percussion vocals randy george uh fretted and fretless bass bill hubauer piano organ synthesizers and vocals and eric gillette guitars and vocals and, and for me and i talked to bill about this a little bit i think eric is really the secret weapon of the neil morse band he is a guy who maybe should be playing arenas in front of a you know some rock band he's just such an intense talent it's you found him on youtube huh <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah he's ridiculous on uh the dreamer uh the joseph album that's coming out in august uh he takes a killer guitar solo he also plays drums his wow. drumming his drumming is outstanding you know um he's playing drums on the joseph album and yeah yeah eric and he's his voice is great you know he looks great he means just like <laughs> who is this guy he can do anything he can he can break dance. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. He's one of those guys who's just like really good at all kinds of things. Like yeah. we went to some we went to, went to this party together and all of a sudden like they start playing some Bruno Mars or something and he starts he's 
gets out on the floor and starts like doing all these moves. I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> yeah, Eric Gillette, man, he's he's from another planet. Hidden hidden talents. So uh, so yeah, as I mentioned to you before we started recording, I've I've had everybody else from the Neil Morse band on the show. I need to get Eric next, so I gotta have to work on that. Um, your your band, Neil Morse band. You, you got a couple albums out uh, you at the same time, kind of in that same general time frame. You're also working on Flying Colors. So Flying Colors and Neil Morse Band, very different, but both have you and both have uh, have Mike in them. Um, tell me what you thought about, you know, again, you know, we, we went back to talking about your uh, joining a band or having a band um, and being a part of that again. But now being a part of two different bands and I guess three, if you count uh, Transatlantic. What was the thought behind Flying Colors? Well, it started with, um, we had a mutual friend that had suggested that we write together. And um, we both really wanted to do that, but it was very difficult for us to get together. And uh, finally, this friend called me and said, hey, I happen to know that Steve's available this week. But I was, we, we had been talking about him flying his airplane up here to Nashville. And, um, but this person said, you know, I think if this is going to happen, you're going to have to go down there and, and write with him. And I did spent just like, oh, I think only two days, maybe three with him. And, um, that there was a real, you know, simpatico energy there that was really special, uh, definite great chemistry. And so then uh, it was a little while. It was sometime after that, that we actually chose uh, the players and, um, and then K- bringing Casey in really changed the whole thing. Mm-hmm. We were looking for, we wanted to have a, have a different singer and, yeah, that I mean, Casey's just so different and interesting and emotional, and uh, yeah, there was just a, there's just a lot of magic around that group, man. It's a very special, yeah. very special group. There was a time when my life was easy, stretched out in the sun. Everything was clover. The world was off my shoulders for a while. Then the sky turned a bonfire shade and hit me like a gun. It passed with flying colors. There's no flying over the storm. So your 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 album, your new live album's coming out in July. You you guys recorded this in Hamburg at the Marked Hall. Um, I'm I'm curious because you've done a lot of live albums. Do you know going into the tour which stop you're going to record the live album at? Not usually. 
sometimes there's talk about it, uh, you know, in the beginning. Um, but this the, on this one, uh, Jerry Ghidros, who was running front of house, he brought a recording rig. So he recorded several shows. Um, I don't know, remember how many. But um, it was such a special show. It was the, the audience was so amazing. I mean, the whole thing was just so just off the chart fantastic uh when we came off stage i think mike said hey you know if you if we're thinking about releasing a live album from this tour this is the one and so it was it was always we had always talked about that we should release the hamburg one because it just stood out to all of us as a really uh even more explosive than usual kind of night for the band very energetic uh, performance on this the crowd is great like you mentioned and you have obviously germany is a place where progressive rock music is is very much appreciated but you seem to have uh, beyond that a spiritual connection with that country in particular is that something that you have felt yourself because it it's kind of seems that way when you, when you when you look at your career and and how many times you've been over there and you've done worship stuff there and that kind of thing is that what you what you think too that you've had a spiritual connection with that country well yeah yeah i felt called to germany and and holland and europe in general actually you know so i've had a lot of uh worship services and meetings and uh at concerts all, all kinds of things you know it's just really interesting how god will connect you with a place not only that, but I have relatives. My my brother married a German girl. I have a, I have a German nephew near Frank Frankfurt. I have, you know, then Inside Out is my good friends, you know, Thomas Bobber and uh, Freddie's actually in London. But um, yeah, I just, it's just really interesting how you can wind up being so connected in another country. Mm -hmm. You know, some of my best friends are, are, are Germans. It's, it's, it's just something that God did. Hmm. Speaking of connections, I was interested in your, uh, you've done a lot of work with Ted Leonard, who obviously has, has gone on to front Spock's beard, you know, after you and after Nick, um, what is that relationship? Where, where did that relationship start and, and how did that develop? It started many years ago. I mean, I think 98, maybe. Uh, Enchant was opening up for Spock's Beard in Europe. So we spent two weeks, uh, a gloriously fun, insane two weeks on a tour bus together <laughs> with Enchant. Ted was 24, I think. Yeah, I mean, this this was like kind of a legendary, really 
for the fun factor. I mean, it was just it was just funny, funny. All those guys are hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Doug and Ted, and all the guys in Enchant, and all the Spox guys were. I mean, it was just a funny, funny, uh, thrilling time. So, I Ted and I were always connected from that. And then um, I don't remember all of how we wound up being together. I heard his solo album. I think he, he sent me his solo album, and I I listened to it. And went, wow, that's really cool. Who's that on drums? That's got to be Nick. Of course, it was. <laughs> so I started connecting with him about his solo stuff, and then. You know, that was that was before he was in Spock's. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I just love his voice and he's such a great guy. And so we wound up, you know, I'm just like, hey, would you sing on this? And, you know, we've just been involved with each other in Transatlantic and lots of other things. So it's just a really good relationship. Yeah, I had forgotten that they had uh, opened for you. I, I I remember the first Cal Prague enchant and you were both on the bill there. Was that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more that I'm forgetting, you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Ted's hilarious. Dude, what a sense of humor. I yeah. mean, gregarious he, guy, very outgoing. Um, yeah, I, I I found that to be true. And the other guy that um I know you played on the same bill with and has been doing work with you recently has been on the show, John Galgano from Is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. He came down and played bass on the God Smuggler uh reading that we had in houston which was just really great i mean he did such a good job we watched it recently i had people over i i did just a one camera shoot of the stage um you know it's it's you know the it's camera audio so it's not that great but we uh had, had some friends over to watch it recently and so i got to experience how great john was i was so it was so nice of him to come and do that for us now i know he was he was excited to get to work with you so um so it worked worked out well for both of you it isn't in danger the live version you went out and you played um i think on the album i don't know if you played more in the show than is on the album but on the album you've got i think everything in order except for emergence and not afraid part one. Oh, i don't remember uh, is is it in a different order no, it's in the it's in the order that is on the studio album. So this bad boy here, this is oh okay. By the way, this is a, a beautiful the beautiful deluxe edition. It's amazing. Um, they do such good work. Uh, but yeah, it's it's almost the entire album in the order that it that it's on on you know on the record. And um, then then there's also waterfall, and you end with the great similitude medley. So you've done some of these medleys before, both for your you know, for transatlantic, for your solo stuff and, and for Neil Morse band, how do you guys decide which songs, which bits are going to be in the medleys? That's a really good question. <laughs> Sometimes it changes even after we decide. Uh, I think we had at the beginning of the innocence and danger tour, we weren't doing long day at the, end. I think we ended with, um, a love that never dies. And then I made a pitch. I know everybody was feeling like, oh God, my hands are full. I don't want to have to learn any more music. <laughs> but I made a pitch, like I made this little edit with Long Day on there too, because it's just so powerful. And you want to leave everybody just, you know, all the way in the heavens. And uh, 
so it changes a lot and depending on the group there's a lot of discussion about what songs to put in the melody and what not to put in and how to fit them together and yeah i actually did that one that one was me but sometimes it's other 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 people are really spearheading it and uh it doesn't really matter who who does it it's it's really all about the audience it does is it you know or is it uh, rocking their world right right I would imagine that Mike has ideas when you ask those questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. But, you know, he, he doesn't usually put mel- medleys together. Mm-hmm. He generally has a lot of uh, comments about it later. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, he's got he's got amazing ideas. He's he's a very smart guy. Yeah. So really great arranger. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What a mind. Uh, one of the songs on the album and on the live album, you guys did a cover of Simon and Garfunkel's bridge over troubled water. Obviously put your own spin on it. Where was the genesis of, of deciding to do that song and, and how you would decide who would sing which parts? Well, it was because we had too much material when we were writing the innocence in danger album, we were just kind of going along you know, just sort of following, oh, this seems like it should end here. Oh, let's do another song. Oh, well, how about this? Let's start with Randy's riff and I'll sing over it. You know, we're just kind of just going. And then uh, thinking that we would listen back through later and cut stuff. We wanted it to be one disc. Mm -hmm. But when we went back through it, nobody wanted to cut anything. (laughs) (laughs) So we had too much material for one disc and not enough for two discs. So then there was this idea of like, well, what if we, what if we pad it with, and I think that's where, uh, I think also the way it has to be or the way it had to be was from that concept. It wasn't, that was Mike and Bill kind of put that idea together. They, that that because that was something left over from the from the great adventure sessions i think yeah okay that it used and so then bill wrote a bridge for it like what if we make a whole song out of it because it was just a little section mm-hmm. and then it still wasn't enough like well what about a cover and so bill started you know he's the master of the prog covers and so he started 
throwing out things that he had thought about. And then, and I was like, Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And he played me, played me some pretty developed things. I was like, I don't know. I wasn't that inspired about it. But then when he suggested, I had, he's like, I have this idea about bridge over trouble water. And, uh, the other guys had already flown home. The only person who was still here was Mike, but he wasn't here yet. Cause he doesn't get here till the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're morning riders. <laughs> so basically Bill and I started thinking of it, you know, along the lines kind of, of what yes did with America. Okay. That was, that was our goal to like, you know, as a, as a kind of model. And so we just started kicking around, you know, it's a really very fun thing to do. Like take your different different elements of the song. Everything in there has some element of the intro or the melody, but it's so. <laughs> I don't know if anybody would even recognize like, like. I was thinking like a bridge over troubled water. You know, it's just like. <laughs> It's pretty far removed, some of that stuff. (laughs) And then when I played the melody on that Ottawa guitar, that wow, 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 (laughs) when you're weary. And it and it turned out to really soar at the end and really, really be an impactful thing for the heart. Yeah. Now you um, you do this throughout all your songs. You you have multiple singers. Everybody in the group sings pretty much, except maybe Randy. And you guys all have very distinct voices, but they complement each other very well. So is it just a matter of figuring out who sounds best on which part, or is it a matter of who sort of feels an ownership of that bit? It's both. Um, generally, it's obvious. Sometimes I think we'll have two different people sing something and then vote, but rarely. Mm-hmm. It's it's generally like, oh, Bill should sing this, or I should sing this, and uh, then Eric should sing this. And um, we've wound up, coming into you like you do in groups coming into a kind of way that works which is eric in the middle me on the bottom bill bill on the top is generally how the harmonies are mike only sings if there's a if there's an extra part needed an extra background part or Mm -hmm. or whatever or if he or if he has a lead part you know he sings lead also on some stuff which is great but yeah it's 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 pretty apparent usually Okay. 
talk a little bit about uh, Joseph part one. You mentioned you're already working on part two. You've got Steve Morse back, Eric Gillette, Ted Leonard, Matt Smith, Will Morse, your son, uh, Talon David, and Jake Livgren. Um, and this is a special release you're going to do just from Radiant Record Shop. You're going to have a 300 copies of a Brick Orange 2 LP vinyl version, which I think is really cool. So that'll be fun for the collectors. And um, and then you're also going to sign the first 200 pre-orders. I'm going to do it. My, <laughs> my wife's always like, oh, God, not again. You know, she she takes the, you know, we, we don't usually get, we, for some reason, we can't get them not shrink wrapped. So we have to take mm. the shrink wrap off. So she takes the shrink wrap, gets the Sharpies out, lines them up for me. We, we, we've got this whole husband awesome. and wife <laughs> signing tradition. Yeah, that sounds great. And then the cool thing here is you got a little uh, Willy Wonka golden ticket thing going on with a, a prize. Five of them are randomly going to have a signed copy of the lyric sheet to the song Like a Wall. Well, handwritten, actually. I'm going to write the, rewrite the song. Okay. I chose that one because it's very short. <laughs> Less writer's cramp for you. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Here I am like a cloud without water Now I'm a slave on the road to nowhere my family hates me, they say I'm a liar And deep in my heart there's a pain like a fire And it's like a couple of the things that i want to touch on before we go is is you've been very um creative as an artist not just in your music you've also found ways to reach your fans like anybody can have a fan club but you you put together the neil morse inner circle where everybody pays a monthly fee and then every other month you get like a full album's worth of material or a, a video of some sort um i've been a, a member of that for quite some time and i have i don't know how many of your discs I have before they started going digital, but uh, uh, where did the idea for that come from? Because that is a, an idea that I think probably more artists should employ. Well, I think it was around 2000. I think the first one was in 2005. I was looking for an alternate. I, I was, my kids were still pretty little seven and five, I think around that time. And I was really feeling like I shouldn't travel. Like it was, I think it was important for me to be home and, but they're like, well, how are we going to make ends meet was really honestly how that was. And I was looking for alternate ways to, you know, to have income, to create income. And, um, yeah. So I thought, had this thought about a kind of a fan club thing. I mean, groups have been doing that for a long time and the Beatles had a fan club and they mm -hmm. recorded special things for the fan club and stuff like that. So 
Um, I certainly didn't invent it. I, I just decided, well, what would make it worth them, you know, paying 10 bucks a month or whatever. And so I felt like six releases a year was worth it. And the newsletter and mm-hmm. anyway, I'm just really thankful so many, that there was enough people that wanted to do it, that, uh, we were able to do it for all those years, still doing it. Yeah. The, uh, that's the thing is that, you know, a lot of these, you, maybe you get something at the end of the year around Christmas time, but you were, you were putting out essentially a new album's worth of material every two months for the, for the fans. And, and some of that was extremely interesting. The stuff that you collaborated with, um, with um, Phil Kagi, for example, some of that stuff was really great. Um, the, the stuff yeah. that you dug out of the archives from stuff you wrote in the eighties was really cool. And, uh, and your, your musicals Hitman and um, Homeland and, and, you know, stuff like that. That's, that's all very interesting stuff and it's so varied and there's worship stuff in there. There's really proggy stuff. You went um, acoustic improv, uh, yeah. just all kinds of different things. Uh, it, it's again, it just comes back to how, how uh, prolific you are as a writer. Well, I'm somebody that likes to share like not, a, not everybody, not all musicians, you know, want to share their outtakes and things but i i kind of enjoy it um so i it, i was always a little frustrated because there's like you're, you get like your frontline release things you know the studio albums and and live albums that are you know really pristine but there's a lot of other stuff especially in this day and age there's a lot of other stuff that's filmed you know i film a lot of me working in the studio i love you know the making ofs are really interesting and mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I like to share all kinds of things. And I know that like a certain amount of people would really enjoy hearing this, but it's not good enough to release through a label into the shops or whatever, you know? Yeah. So yeah. the inner circle was also really, has been a wonderful outlet for me as an artist. Yeah. The other thing that um, I thought was interesting and, and in this day and age, especially when, you know, artists are fighting to get, tenths of pennies for streaming services neil morse creates his own streaming service waterfall yeah well i mean you probably know the story i was i was uh you know pretty upset like probably most artists at my level would be about the streaming services and because it's you know not paying you again at my level hardly anything at all Mm -hmm. right and, you know, they don't even put CD players in cars or computers anymore. Like, my daughter doesn't even know what to do with a CD. Uh, <laughs> I give her a CD and she's like, Dad, I don't have any place to play this. <laughs> you know, let alone vinyl. She doesn't have any place to play vinyl. <laughs> so it really is a challenge with my kids. Like, how can I get this to you? You know, can you listen on Dropbox? How can I, you know, I want to send my son music. Um they pretty much only listen on Spotify or, or Apple or, you know, and so anyway, so I was streaming something one day and I, and I was like, man, this is awesome. You mean, I don't have to get up from my recliner to change the music and the phone rings and it pauses, you know, you talk on the phone and then it starts right back where you were and you didn't even have to get up. <laughs> <laughs> That's important when you're 62. <laughs> anyway, and, and then you just go in your car and you 
Bluetooth it and you start the music right where it was. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have, it's just, it, I realized how streaming was here to stay and it's great. It's so great for the listener. And so I was like, well, what can I do? And so I started talking to some techie friends about the possibility of creating my own thing, because to me, it just doesn't make sense to be on the streaming services. You know, it's just like, well, you know, I mean, I'm glad people are listening. I mean, it makes sense in that regard. It is kind of a question, you know, so I have some stuff on the streaming services you'll notice, and I have other stuff not there. So I don't know. I'm trying to be everywhere at once in a, a little bit, but you know, I want people to, to, uh, of course get on waterfall. Uh, and there's a lot more stuff there, you know, I'm trying to provide a lot of interesting content. So there's, there's things on waterfall that aren't available anywhere else. Yeah. That's important too, uh, for, for finding a place in the, in the marketplace, just, you know, you, you have, like you mentioned, you, you have stuff on Spotify, some stuff on title and some of that, but it's, it's limited. So you're just giving people a taste. It's a marketing tool, but if you want everything, Neil Morris and all the related stuff, you can, you can get it on waterfall. Yeah. So that's, well, that's pretty cool that, I mean, most people wouldn't think to just create their own, <laughs> but, uh, you, 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 you always think outside the box, Neil, I have to say that about you. So, um, you know, when you, uh, when you put together an album like this and you, I know you put a lot of thought into the package, the whole package. So these deluxe editions that transatlantic has Neil Morse has Neil Morse band has, they're always very special. Does that, is that something that you have somebody that you work with on that or are these ideas all coming from you? How does that uh, sort of come together? We work on it together. It's a, you know, Mike's very, very good with that kind of stuff about creating special packages. Um, but yeah, we always, uh, f- for a long, long time, you know, the special edition and the limited edition and, um, uh, uh, Inside Out's very, very helpful with those things. In fact, they request them like, hey, can we do one with this? Is there more content we could add and do one with a special art cover? Um, so it's great. And the uh, the fans seem to really love it. And with the vinyl resurgence, will there be some vinyl releases of your back catalog? Is that anything planned for that? I want to do that. I just haven't had the time to really work on it i've 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 talked to different people about hey can i job this out to you (laughs) (laughs) but uh i don't i don't really want to you know my hands are so full creating stuff i don't really want to get involved too much in the logistics of of those things but yes yes we we will do it eventually it needs to be done
right. Well, uh, after after Joseph part two and Morse Fest upcoming, what's next for Neil Morse? Uh, there's a trio album. Uh, Divigilio Morse and Jennings will be coming out. Uh, a second a follow up release is coming out in November. I think they're going to release the videos and things in September. So pre orders will start for that in September. Uh, the the God Smuggler musical is also happening we did a reading of the first act and so next year i think we're going to do a full workshop and then the year after that actually stage it so that's in the future uh, i'm going to take some time off in the fall and we'll see what happens next all right i'm glad you brought up the the trio there because uh that was one i hadn't even brought up i do have it but i uh, there's again, there's just so much going on. I could talk to you for a full hour just about each Spock's beard record that you were on for that matter. But uh, Neil Morse from the Neil Morse band from Transatlantic Flying Colors, uh, <laughs> Steve Virgilio, Morse Jennings, Morse Portnoy, George, uh, right? The covers. I mean, you, you have so many. Uh, I went through this with Mike as well, just too many to name. It's right. been such a pleasure to catch up with you. I'd love to have you back on sometime to to talk about maybe uh one of these Spock's beard uh, old classic records that comes up on an anniversary or something. But it's been great talking to you. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much, and and best of luck with the new live album and the new Joseph album. Thank you so much, man. God bless you. Take care. Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon at patreon.com slash Michael's Record Collection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much, Neil. I appreciate it. All right, man. You take care. Have a good one. That was fun.